all of that data starts to live in one repository where the data that your sales team needs to be informed on how to properly interact with this particular prospect is now made available because the marketing communications are in one place. Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now. Hello, this is Daniel Bushes, and welcome to this month's episode of Business Power Hour. In this month, we're talking about marketing trends and the CRM and automated marketing space. And I have as our guest, Nick Cole, the channel consultant from HubSpot. Nick, if you take a, a moment to welcome everybody and then give everybody just a little bit of background by yourself, that would be wonderful. Yeah, thanks for the intro, Dan. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you carving out some time for us to talk through these subjects today. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, for some context around myself and my role here at HubSpot, I manage our partner relationships, so I'm intimately involved with all of our strategic accounts on the partnership side of the business to ensure that the partners of HubSpot, from an agency services perspective, are getting the support that they need to stay in tune with HubSpot's best practices on how to service their clients, and stay in tune with industry trends. Awesome. And I would imagine since you're, you're working with so many different agencies and partners across your region, that you're seeing a little bit of everything, aren't you? I mean, you're seeing different size businesses, enterprises, I mean, problems, solutions. I mean, pretty much if there's anyone that has a great view of the landscape of what's going on out there, I'd say you're probably one of the, have one of the best seats in the house. I, I like to think so. <laughs> uh, I'm fortunate enough that in my role, we get to be exposed to a variety of different agencies and as a result of that, a variety of different clients. Uh, part of that too is that we'll work with, you know, for example, a lean agency out of someone's garage in you know, Oklahoma, but then I also have partners that are 150 plus year old agencies that are incredibly well established. Uh, so we run the full gamut here. Uh, our partner program is kind of um, you know, agnostic in that sense. Perfect. Well, um, you know, without, uh, without trying to hide anything, I mean, our agency built by love is a, a HubSpot certified partner agency. We obviously believe in the platform. That's why we're talking and that's why uh, we run on HubSpot as an agency. Now, that being said, if anyone's beginning to listen to this podcast and they're thinking, I, I don't own a marketing agency, that's okay. We're actually, the purpose of this, this conversation and this podcast is to talk about the trends of what's happening in marketing and how, how we can address those things, as well as, you know, platforms and solutions that may be able to be a tool to power um, your decisions in, in the marketing for your business, whatever business that is. That being said, though, I, I want to cover one thing because HubSpot is one of the few companies out there that's in this space that's really driving innovation and is continually sought after for their input in everything from articles on Forbes to just anything in regards to what's going on in the digital marketing world. You guys are one of the, I would say, you know, cutting edge or bleeding edge companies that's driving a lot of that stuff that resonates worldwide. And so, I'm, I'm grateful to have you on the, the, the podcast today so we can start talking about those things. And if you'll allow me, the first thing I kind of want to address, which I feel is like the elephant in the room for anyone that does you know, marketing online, is there's a lot of shiny objects out there. And you know, everything from you know, chatbots to you know, messenger on social media channels to email marketing to text messaging and I mean... We could just we could go down such a, a rabbit hole, and but I firmly believe where it all starts to come back, where I think it's headed in 2020. So please, Nick, give me your opinion on this. Is that ultimately we as marketers are going to have too much information and too many options, and it really is going to have to rely on the data that we have, the power of the data that we have to make the best possible decisions. Do you agree or disagree that data is going to be incredibly important moving forward in the year of 2020? 
I think data kind of represents the backbone of marketing for 2020. Um, you know, as, as consumers change the way that they want to interact with businesses, it starts to more closely mimic how they're interacting with each other. Uh, and it starts to take on a very conversational form. You know, I imagine you wouldn't really want to talk to someone who comes up and says the same six things that he says to everybody else in a non, you know, a nondescript, non-effective manner of just kind of, here's my input, take it or leave it. Uh, and I think kind of consumption of that information from a consumer standpoint starts to take the same form of, we want things to be built around the things that are relevant to us. When I see an advertisement or when I'm reading a blog article, I want that to be relevant to the problem I'm trying to solve. And the way that we do that is by building it off of data that's been made available to us. And you know, a part of doing that is also doing it responsibly and ensuring that the data that we do leverage in the coming years is effective and relevant rather than based off of you know, the, the top three things that we can find out on someone's Facebook page of, I live in Oklahoma, I'm a single white male. Uh, that just quite frankly, isn't enough to give someone the experience that they're looking for in, in 2019. And I imagine that will become even more true as we progress into 2020. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things when we're looking at, you're looking at different platforms and you're looking at the tools that we have out there and we, as an agency, we we've run into it a multitude of times is that, you know, you've got different engagement metrics that are happening in different forms of engagement that are happening across multiple channels. And if you don't have a proper system that actually can aggregate and pull all of that into one central location, you're making guesswork of what you're actually going to do from a marketing standpoint. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities. And if we can, let's talk just briefly about what you guys do for that, because I kind of feel like, and I'll be honest, I feel like a beaten dog from where we came from before we moved over to HubSpot, which is just on our personal level, because we could not get a full picture of data. We could not really truly figure out like, did this person really come from an ad and convert from an ad? And if so, maybe there's another like plugin or app or another subscription we've got to do for this. And what about like meeting links and what about like email and this and that. And all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's an overwhelm of information that's all sitting in its own silos that aren't really talking to each other. And so you don't have an effective reporting approach to make intelligent decisions that are going to get immediate or quick to, to uh, show results. But you guys have developed a platform that houses all that information from your paid traffic to attribution of what they're doing. I mean, can we talk about that just briefly before we get into additional trends that we think are, are happening coming out of the new year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you were saying some of the big pain points are around things not talking to each other. This kind of disparate tech stack of, I need to go to source A to get data relevant to this, source B to get data that's relevant to this. And it leaves the opportunity for pieces to be either missed out on or not properly leveraged, uh, which is where a lot of the value for our customers starts to come in for HubSpot is this concept of tech stack consolidation and having everything live in what we're aiming to be is this all on one platform. Um, and the reason why I say all on one is because what HubSpot aims to do and does pretty well is we take all the pieces of information that you have across your full front office, right? Your marketing teams, your sales teams, your service teams, all of that data starts to live in one repository where the data that your sales team needs to be informed on how to properly interact with this particular prospect is now made available because their marketing communications are in one place. And now that this person is a customer, your service teams can see everything that's happened from the first time they saw a Facebook article or a blog on your website to the demonstration they had with your sales rep and the last call that they had with your support team. All of it is meant to come back full circle so that you can use that data. And again, a way that it is effective for your, for your customers and for the people that are engaging with your business. 
Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I mean, um, there's two things I want to talk about that you mentioned there that I think really um, hit the nail on the head. And the, and the first is, is that you guys are not trying to be all in one where you're trying to build everything and you have to live in the world. You guys are saying, hey, we're the, we're the hub, we're the home. And so if you've got payments, if you've got other things that are plugging into this, that it all sits in one place. So you're going to one place to be able to make decisive actions rather than trying to have to jump around to all these different silos that may or may not talk to each other. I, I think that's the future of what people are looking for is there's going to be a, a multitude of shiny objects and great things, but if they're not all feeding the data into one place, you're going to be wasting your time and you're going to making decisions that are not showing the full picture. Would you agree or disagree? No, you're absolutely right. I, I think it kind of comes back to the concept of the jack of all trades, master of none, uh, which is something that we're working really hard to avoid becoming. Right. We understand that there are companies out there that do things very, very well. And we want to give our customers the opportunity to connect that into one space so they can get that exceptional service from platforms like Typeform, uh, from companies like Loom, where they can plug all of that in. And it also saves us you know, time and development when we can partner with other businesses that are doing really, really well at servicing customers and are making really, really amazing products. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that you had mentioned that um, I, I'm in full agreement with is, is really kind of what you're talking about is, you know, there, there's different departments and different departments need to be able to utilize data, either different pieces of data or different data altogether uh, that ultimately is showing the full experience or the full level of engagement from that specific customer or prospect, right? And how a service team may need to see the whole journey of what's happening to a customer that's submitting a support ticket um, or sales. It's, it's all living in that world. And ultimately, from a customer's perspective, what you're looking at if you're doing marketing is that what's the best possible experience we can deliver so that if you submit a support ticket and you're a high value customer, that we can identify very quickly what you've done, what you purchased, what your value is, who you've talked to, what if, like, what's the full journey and where are you at right now to quickly identify the pain point and be able to deliver the solution to see what they've experienced up to this point. And that's really, I think, where one of the future of marketing and just digital you know, experiences are going is that companies that want to win have to really fine tune and harness the power of having the best possible customer experience. I mean, do you feel that that's one of the leading factors moving forward and trends that we're going to be seeing is that customer experiences have got to get better because that's what they're going to be ultimately driving for. You're absolutely right about that as well. I mean, when it comes to the memorable experiences that I've had, it may not always be directly tied back to the service or the product that I purchased but the actual experience that I had as a consumer in feeling valued and the way that I interacted with the internal processes of this company or the things that I need to do just to get my foot in the door, I think feeling heard and feeling like a person was something that wasn't necessarily available to me for every experience that I had, but for the ones that I did have you know, as a consumer, they were incredibly memorable and things that I would use to help move the the story of this brand along the path that the whole team internally had intended on for it. Yeah, I think there's been, you know, with with the internet and with search and all these different channels, what's happened in many of the industries that we've had the opportunity to work with is that a lot of industries are becoming commoditized. And I'd, I'd say so even in the, the marketing agency space, I mean, there's, you can't pick up a rock and throw a rock and not hit like 20 marketing agencies out there. And I'd say that's across the board. And a lot of people are saying that they can do a lot of stuff. And I'm just using the marketing agency as an example. But what's happening is that because there's a plethora of information of the same competitive services and companies out there in the world, it's going to be 
it's, it's going to be really, really important to be able to differentiate yourself. And one of those driving factors is going to be the customer experience. And from that customer experience, the only way you're going to have that is having data to be able to back up, to understand where, what they're doing, where they're coming from, what they're consuming. So you can serve up the right information at the right time. And you and I have already been kind of talking about this in this podcast. So, I mean, you know, let me throw you a curveball and say, you know, you work for HubSpot. You obviously see a lot of the innovation, a lot of things that you guys are investing in across your platforms. And what are some of the things that you would say that HubSpot is doing to address, you know, maybe not even this trend, but the trends that they foresee that are coming, coming forward, you know, to, to remain best in class. Do you, do you have any examples or stories or anything that you could talk about for that? Yeah, it, you know, it makes me think about some of the things that we're doing as part of our main sale for 2020. And I, I think the first thing that kind of comes to mind is the concept of conversational marketing and having communication tools that, anno- that enable you to kind of break through the noise in a way that's still helpful and friendly and non-disruptive. So we're, we're trying to develop processes and systems that will now allow our customers to do things like create a chat message that will eventually lead to a follow-up from a real person, um, you know, a bot form that you can use to make the sign-up experience more interactive or a Facebook message that links back to a knowledge base and an FAQ. Uh, we want to try to find ways where we can use targeted messaging and targeted content to engage with people online and make them feel like the experience is highly personalized, which is, again, a a concept that you and I have been coming back to, and again, is tied into the the value of data, is making these experiences more personalized. And, you know, in conjunction to the concepts of conversational marketing, it's important to take into uh, consideration over what medium they may take place. Uh, So, for example, um, WhatsApp is a very popular communication tool in South America, and we're making strides internally to ensure that we have mediums for communication where we can meet consumers based off of geographically what is important and how they like to be communicated to. So finding the correct mediums and then building out our strategies around that. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I, I think we're seeing more of you tell me you can you're welcome to disagree or agree to this. But I think what's happening now, as there's more and more channels, is that people are starting to have conversations with brands across multiple platforms. So where it was before, maybe you had, you know, a phone and email as the primary source of communication from from customers and clients, well, at least we're starting to see from our agency perspective, and you have a much broader view of the world, but we're starting to see that multiple channels, customers are, and clients and as well as prospects are, are starting to engage with brands on, on a multitude of channels, and it all needs to feed back to one place. I mean, are, are you seeing the same thing? I, I think a big part of that kind of stems from historical marketing practices of really outbound communications where it's kind of like a blanketed blast. If you meet criteria one, you meet them all. So you're all going to get the same form of communication. Uh, And as a result of that, you know, just email marketing alone doesn't really cut it anymore, right? That's not going to be enough. You need to meet people in different places, especially as, you know, uh, real estate and your customers or prospects email inbox is becoming more and more competitive. Um, So when that outreach does happen, it needs to be valuable and it needs to happen in multiple different places. So if I'm going to give you a piece of my contact information, whether it be my email address or my WhatsApp account information or my cell phone number, I want the exchange of, of resources there to be fair. I, I don't want to give someone my cell phone number just to access a 10-step guide. Uh, I will, however, give someone my phone number if they're going to be offering me you know, exclusive promotions or a discount 
or keeping me up to date on a weekly special or promotion. Uh, I, I'd be much more inclined to, to offer different mediums for communication, so long as, again, the offer matches what's being exchanged there. Yeah, absolutely. And that really goes to, I'd say, the underpinning of that is understanding the customer journey and understanding really where the critical touch points are that they're going to convert from one level of, let's call this engagement, right? And engagement could be consumption, trust. It could be, it could be a number of different things. But if just using your example, you're saying, hey, I'm willing to give you my phone number in exchange for this other piece of valuable information. And so that's, that's moving you along the either trust or engagement needle from like zero all the way to potentially full, right? And so as long as there's a way to effectively market that way, then as you said, hey, as long as it's fair, I'm getting what I'm expecting out of this, then you should be progressing down that path. I mean, would you agree to that? Absolutely. Yeah. And especially when you mention, you know, the, the component of trust in this, I, I think that when companies come out and ask for so much upfront, it immediately can come across as untrustworthy because I, I don't know about you, but when I see something like a, a 10 step guide and in order to access it, I need to give them, you know, my email, my phone number and my firstborn son, it just doesn't seem like a fair exchange to me. And it makes me wonder, what are they going to do with this information? And why do they need this now when I barely know what it is that they're trying to do for me? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel that where the future's headed is that, you know, and I think you kind of you, you said a little bit to it, but you're saying, hey, real estate in the inbox is getting more and more valuable. So you know, and then you also kind of mentioned too, from what I'm distilling is that, hey, you've got to meet them in different channels. So do you feel that it's, a, it's an important play to make sure that you're having meaningful conversations across different channels, as well as having a different type of conversation in those channels? It's kind of a two-part question, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the medium for communication should also dictate the type of communication that you're having. Um, for example, email tends to lend itself to more long form information where you can send a newsletter that could be highly visual. Whereas the experience that I'm expecting on Facebook Messenger when interacting with a company should be more succinct and, and pointed. I, I don't wanna be seeing a bunch of large visuals and that, nor is it necessarily beneficial to the user experience. Um, but alongside with that, I, I think that each one of those forms of communication should be taken in consideration across the full scope of the business so that we don't have the marketing teams, the sales teams, and the service teams all reaching out to the same person over the same form of communication with very different messaging very frequently. Um, each form of your uh, communication should be much more specific and intended uh, so that you're kind of aligned on are other teams or business units also reaching out, if so, how frequently, and ensuring that the identity for the communication is consistent but also aligned with the medium that you're using for that particular uh, form of outreach. One of the cool things you guys have is you've got the ability to set up teams and put people that have access into, you know, the app HubSpot. They can be assigned to a team. It could be, you know, sales team, a service team. Um, you can create your own teams. And within those teams, you can have inboxes, right? And so like using example of like Facebook Messenger, you can assign that messenger to go into an inbox. So then only the people you want having those conversations will see all that stuff. You can see all the activity. It's all attached to the contact record. And the cool thing with HubSpot is you can drill down to the contact record and see, hey, from the chat bot, did they go to the website? Did they open an email? How long did they spend on that? I mean, you just, you see the full picture. So I mean, 
I, I love that, that you guys have thought all the way through to that point where you were kind of referencing different departments or different people should have different conversations. We got to make sure it's still the same brand experience, right? It might be a different topic, whether it's service or a, a sales question, but all those have to go somewhere into a central location. Yeah, and we work really hard to ensure that that experience is seamless so that we, we build in logic behind it and we even consider availability in time zones and working hours so that if the standard person isn't available at that time, present them with this resource or an opportunity to book a time with that person when they do become available, leave a message with the expectation that, that person will follow up within 24 hours, for example. Now, we, we also work to ensure that the communication tools also represent data points with inside of HubSpot. So that like you mentioned, that timestamp for when they first initiated that conversation can then be leveraged by our services team to let's say maybe automate part of that process. They communicate with us on Facebook Messenger about a problem they're having with our services. If that problem is not resolved within let's say 24 hours, automate ticket creation, send a notification to the stakeholder who should own that and a reminder for them to resolve this as their top priority when they get into the office again. Which is great if you're running, uh, if you're, if you're running like a checkout page, right? Is having something set up like that, because I would imagine if someone's asking a question and a checkout page where they're ready to give their credit card information, that conversation would be a very high priority and very critical because the person's at that page and likely that question may be the difference whether, or, and I should say the an answering that question would be the difference to whether they actually uh, put in their credit card information or they bounce or abandon that page. Yeah. And you know, we, we put the expectation and we, we set the precedent amongst the people that we communicate with as well, that, that, communication and follow-up should be immediate. So if we are not personally available in that moment, HubSpot as a company, we see it as essentially a 24-hour window max where we can get that opportunity to where it needs to be. Beyond that 24-hour window, the intent is not what it was when that person was in the shopping cart. If we can get to that person within two hours, for example, the likelihood of that opportunity being closed goes up significantly. And you can create multiple conversations, right? So if, if, uh, if I have, you know, a high ticket checkout and um, a low ticket checkout, I can have two separate um, chat features. They, might, they may feed into the same conversation inbox, so to speak, right? Or it's the same team, I should say. But I can have multiple chat features so I can track success rates and things like that, right? Absolutely. And you know, any good chat or chat bot strategy should play into that. So that each page you have should have a targeted message as it is more relevant to the content on that page. I, I think that having a generic chat message and chat converse and um, experience across every single page on your website is the lazy approach, which is solving for the business by making yourself available, but it's not solving for the customer because you're not providing medium for communication that's aligned with what they're on that page for. If I'm viewing a page about the pricing of my, uh, or let's say support for the specific tool that I'm looking at, I don't wanna have the same chat experience there that I would get on the pricing page that says, have any questions about our products? Talk to our sales team. That experience is counterintuitive, and again, it's only solving for the customer, for the company rather than for the customer. I love that, and that goes back to one of the things that we've been talking about in this podcast: is that this is all about you know having a better experience. There's you know there's an overwhelming amount of opportunities and options for customers that can go anywhere, and with internet and with you know you know, the mail services and digital this and digital that, I mean, they don't have to arguably go to their local supplier or vendor for that for, in most, most cases. And so having a better experience online is going to be able to ensure that you can convert better. 
I, I love that you're using that example of a chat feature. If, if you know, if you're a, a landscaping company and you build pools and you build backyard decks and you build fireplaces and someone is on, you know, the pool section of, uh, you know, hey, I'm looking at building a pool in my backyard. The, the chat feature on that page should not say, hey, are you interested in a fireplace, right? They're looking at polls that give them the relevant information that they can engage so they can quickly either make a decision that this is the right solution um, or they want to learn more or, or not. And, you know, that's where the problem in a lot of companies' marketing strategy lies as looking at the customer as the end product of the funnel rather than looking at that individual as the center of your flywheel. And, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with the concept of the flywheel versus the funnel, it's essentially the funnel inverted back on itself saying that at, you know, the, the last stage isn't the customer. The customer is the beginning of your next customer saying that your customers are really your best resources and ensuring that that has a cyclical effect rather than an end output. So when we, when we change that perspective from having the, the customer being at the bottom of the funnel rather than the customer being the center of every form of communication and interaction that we have, it, it allows us to take a new lens. And I think just that, that concept alone has had such a massive impact on marketing as a whole over the past you know, six, six to seven years. Uh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more, I, you know, and one of the things that you were kind of talking about as I was thinking is going back to making sure that people have the right information at the right time. Cause, um, I've written, a, I've written more than one blog about it, but I, I firmly believe that the, the traditional funnel and I'm doing, I'm saying funnel and air quotes over here, but the funnel is dead. And that, you know, we've embraced, we've actually, we've embraced a flywheel for over a year. And, you know, you look at the customer journey and especially looking in the, and, you know, just as a sidebar here, the future of marketing, in my opinion, is going to be based all around, you know, data and a great, beautiful experience and having the right conversation at the right time. So if you can hit on those three things, you're going to have success in the future of, of marketing. That's 2020 and, and beyond. That's just my opinion. But, no, I'd, I'd like to echo that as well. Thank you. And, but the customer journey, now going back to the customer journey, we all know, and there's a, a famous Google case study where Google has tracked the buyer buying path of someone buying an airline ticket. I, I know I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to go to Connecticut for a client, and I know that I was looking at Google Flights first, and then after Google Flights, I saw a couple flights, and then I went over to United, and then I went to America and so forth, and then I started going over to Hilton to check availability. And so I was all over the place and, until I finally decided to make a purchase for an airline ticket. And so the traditional, again, air quotes of traditional funnel is you start here, and we're going to fire out a bunch of communications, and you're going to go this clean line to this other point, whatever that point is. And typically, it's buy something. And I, I think the marketing experience that's, that was great a decade ago, I think it's completely flawed and broken. And I think what you have to look at now and where HubSpot makes this incredibly powerful is looking at the whole way of marketing as micro funnels based off of a specific stage in the customer journey. And furthermore, knowing and appreciating that if you've set what that trigger is or that action for that person to enter into that stage, that you should stop having the conversation somewhere else of saying, you know, download this lead magnet or, or do this thing or schedule your consult. And if they take action on this other trigger that you dynamically start having conversation there and track their experience because they may bounce around and your conversation should adjust just like a real human would adjust a conversation and, and standing or, or having a conversation with another human. I think a lot of marketers have not taken that approach. They have these old world funnels that keep firing out emails, making the assumption that that person, whatever they came into that world for, was the highest possible priority in their life. In reality, that might be priority six. They were interested in it 
but it's not priority one and you're hammering them for emails or whatever, thinking that's the highest priority. I, I think that shotgun approach is incredibly antiquated. And if you're running on a system like that, that does not embrace like HubSpot's power in the flywheel, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be a doomsayer or a negative Nancy or her saying, you know, good luck in the future of marketing in your business. But I mean, what, what's your opinion? I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I, I think that if it's not adaptable and accounts for more than, or if it doesn't account for more than one straight line path, as you had said, then I, I would take a similar sentiment of you're going to have a really hard time connecting and building trust with your customers. If they only see the one path that you painted for them that leads to what you want, which is their business, then it's going to be a difficult experience for them to follow and not something that they're going to want to speak to others about, right? This whole concept of a micro funnel, as you would say, kind of like a funnel leading into another funnel based on the path that they want or the cyclical effect of the flywheel is contingent on you delivering an experience that's adaptable and, and pleasurable for the people that are moving through that, right? And if you only offer the one, then you're only meeting one specific persona. And I, I'm a very firm believer that no one business only has one persona either. Uh, they, you know, there, there should be different paths for different people in different stages of the journey so that we can meet them where they need to be met rather than trying to force them down the path that we want them to see. You know, um, speaking to that, one of the things that um, completely blew me away at what you guys offer behind the doors of, of, you know, the system is, you know, the intelligent forms that you have and the intelligent emails that you have. And I'll, I'll speak, they both rely on one thing, which is intelligence and logic. So, um, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about this because this is one of my favorite features of what you guys offer. So, you know, we as a marketing agency, I'll give you an example. We as a marketing agency, you know, we, we build websites, we do copy, we do videography services. We, of course, build out entire systems in HubSpot for clients. So we, we do a lot of different things. But when we have a new client that comes on board, there's always a wealth of information that we have to collect before we can be effective and do anything. And for example, if you're doing a website, we need to know we have to have FTP access and we have to have, you know, username and password, admin logins, all kinds of different things before we can even do our work. And in the past, we had to create all of these different forms, whether it was in like a specific system or Google Forms. And man, it was like really, really difficult. And it was, a, it was a bad customer experience to basically shoot them an email and say, fill out these four forms, right? Because copywriting might need certain things and web design and graphics might need something else and yada, yada. But you guys have the feature to know if, if for example, if there's certain things that the system's looking for, like, uh, you know, uh, the way we use it is if they bought web design, then immediately that form, it'll send them one form, but it will take out anything else that's not relevant. So we're building one form with intelligent logic that if it already knows the answer, it will not include that question. Why make the person answer their name again if you already know their first name and last name and email? And so it does that incredibly intelligent stuff that's dynamic. I mean, that just blows my doors away. And I probably did a bad example of talking about it. That's one of my favorite features. Can you elaborate a little bit more? And if, if that's something that you guys are investing or building even more on in the future? Yeah, so this, this feature is called progressive profiling. And the intent of it is to, again, offer that better experience. It's a very selfless feature, but it's also a very slick one. Um, you know, for the use case you had given, there's a perfect example. I personally think you did a great job. Um, but the tool has multiple applications through different stages in the buyer's journey as well. So the example you had given was once someone had already been, become engaged as a client with you and you're at the preliminary stages of planning for the strategy that you guys are going to be executing on their website. However, it could also be used at a very simple level 
after someone had become a subscriber to your newsletter, uh, the form on their website where you had initially seen the opportunity to sign up as a subscriber to their newsletter is now a totally different form. Now it looks like something else and will continue to adapt based on the information that we have available and that you've provided to us. So this one form can be 10 different things based on what information you provided and where you're at and what page you're looking at when you're looking at it. Yeah, I mean, that right there, uh, that is probably my number one favorite. I've got a lot, but that's probably my number one because <laughs> you can build one form. And as long as you build the logic into that one form, you don't have to have 10 separate forms and worry about, hey, did this person hit this? Like for us, like I publish a blog every month. I consider that a high value piece of information. We invest a lot of time and resources in that blog. But if I put a web form before the world of, before I was, you know, in HubSpot, well, whatever that, that form is asking, that's all I'm going to get. So if they go back there and they subscribe to, or they download three different PDFs from three separate blogs, and all I've asked is what's your name, what's your email, maybe what's your phone number, that's it. Well, that's all it's going to continue to ask. So it's kind of, I'm not getting any more information, but there's a friction point for that experience of that person. Like, dude, I just gave you that. Like, I want this other piece of information. I find your information valuable, but now you're asking for this again. It's just, it's a really antiquated way. So you guys, it's like build the logic. We have the form and that form can dynamically change. If that same customer goes back to a different blog, same web form, but a different blog, and the system knows we already have their phone number, it might ask them another question, like what's your annual revenue, right? Yeah, and you know, I think what's exciting about it is that it, it takes a tool that is so common amongst every marketing strategy that has historically been static and makes it dynamic so that we can make the form a living, breathing thing and tie it back to the example that you had given, you go from one form or one blog post to the next, which historically would maybe have the same question. What is your email address? Do you want to subscribe to our newsletter? For that individual who had just subscribed is now seeing a new piece of information saying, hey, do you want to set up a time for a consultation? Or do you want to see this targeted, gated content that is specific to the previous blog that you had just viewed or the one that you're currently viewing that will move you down what we've identified as a natural progression for people who are viewing this content. Which is just anyone who's working in a system and understands the, the, the sheer volume of creating content and connecting all these things to it and then saying, Oh, we got to make a change. And then going back through everything to look like, where are these forms? How many of the embeds or how many, how much of the code do we have to change that stuff? It's, um, it becomes a job in itself to try to manage that stuff. And you guys have done a beautiful job of making that super simple. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, which is, I'd say probably number two, and I, I'd say the data attribution is probably, I don't know if that's the first one or second one or third one, but I, we'll get there in a second. I'm, I'm going to um, sing your guys' praises too much today, probably. <laughs> but the other one is the intelligent email logic which is kind of based off the same backbone of what your form logic has. But for an example, I'll just the best way I can describe this and how we're using it is I was talking to my marketing director and I was saying, Hey, so we've got these active, you know, subscribers to our marketing list. And, um, I don't want them if they're an active client, but they want to receive information about our new podcast or our new blog. I don't want them at the, in the email to set, to see something that says schedule your consult, right? They're already, they've already scheduled a consult. They're already actively working with us. That's just a bad customer experience. And he was like, Oh yeah, we'll just build in the logic to this whole section. So I create one email or I should say we create one email and based off of the logic of the lists that they're subscribed to the email content inside that send that goes out to the, those people will change dynamically. So if you're an active client of ours, 
you're not going to see schedule a consult, but if you're not a client of ours, you're going to see where that content section is. It's going to say schedule your free consult. That's, that's genius. And it ties right back into the, the concept of progressive profiling, making more than one path. And, it, it, you know, ultimately it, it's part of this concept of marketing automation, whether I, I think that that term is intrinsically tied to like the drip campaign. Yeah. But the functionality of which has much more of a, you know, a broad scope in terms of it, that may have been a direct email campaign, a one-off, but it has this automated component, which just alleviated you from what, two hours of drafting up new different campaigns for people that subscribe to specific lists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the, the cool thing is that you guys even offer the functionality that if you're like, hey, when you're creating logic in these sections of even the emails, you can even get as granular as change, change colors, change fonts. So every iteration of logic, you can, you can have a whole nother approach. So, you know, if it's a, if it's a client, you can make the button green and say, you know, top the Bob. And if it's a, not a client, you can make the button red and you could say, you know, schedule your sales consult. Like it's not just serving up different content, which is cool in itself, but it's giving you the about ability as, as a, a marketer and as someone who's running the system, just the, the power of leverage to do pretty much anything you want. Yeah, and, and when it comes to the, the, even something as simple as the color changes, that represents another data point too that we can use for testing purposes. Of Are we seeing better engagement from the ones that we've changed to green versus the ones that we've changed to blue, albeit small changes? As you know, these changes matter. And something that we've put a lot of time and effort into over the past couple of years and will continue to do so moving forward is integrating artificial intelligence into our automation systems as well. So that not only are we making the process of creating this easier, but we're also making the creative aspect easier. And we, we feed that data into a system that can use that data as a reference for you and takes the guesswork out. So for example, when we're running an A-B test on a color for a button, HubSpot can automatically create three different variants for you based on previous content that you've created that is done well for that specific targeted audience. I love it. Um, I know we're kind of getting towards the top of the hour, so I want to make sure that um, you know, you're going to have some time if people want to learn more and maybe check out the system that they can learn all about that. Before we get there, um, I want to talk about the ability to have information to make intelligent decisions anywhere. And you, know, you guys have the ability, your reporting is beautiful. It's, it's so detailed that you can set up pretty much any kind of reporting you need. And it's, you can set up the visual, like I need a pie chart, I want a graph. I, so you can design it all like that. You can design custom dashboards. You can set the, the reporting cadence for it to automatically show up to my inbox or automatically be right there to you know, my dashboard when I log in. Or furthermore, my mobile phone or my tablet anywhere in the world, I can, I can check that and it's right there all at my fingertips. I mean, you guys have done an incredible you know, a, a job of setting up all that data. Is, is there anything that you want to talk about in regards to data? Because I know we've talked about a lot of things in this podcast, but obviously everything leading towards the future and success. And of course it's the right conversations, right tools, all those things, but it all houses and sits on top of data. If you're not using data, if you don't have data accurate and that's readily available to you, you're, you're in the dark. And part of that too is what we all want as marketers is to close that information loop. We want to know what happened from start to finish and the reporting options that are available in systems like HubSpot are intended on being accessible and easy to use, but also not siloed uh, like we had touched on earlier when it came to you know, discrepancies and access for data. Is having that data 
from a variety of tools that exist outside of your, your CRM pulled into one place. So we, we aim in 2020 to expand our integration network and our, our concept of becoming more of a platform so that we can partner with businesses that have complex tech stacks where not everything can happen in HubSpot or their CRM, or they need to have a complex environment just based on the industry that they're in, but don't need to have their reporting systems be complex to use. Uh, just because the data that you're looking to report on is hard and maybe even hard to understand doesn't mean creating the visualization for it should be. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, any final thoughts, any final suggestion or predictions, anything at all that you want to cover before we make sure people have uh, a way to be able to learn more about HubSpot? Yeah, uh, I think that we've spent a lot of time talking about conversational marketing and, you know, ease of access. I would encourage anyone who's interested in learning about HubSpot to either talk to someone they know that uses HubSpot or just do a Google search. Find information in a way that feels comfortable to you and there will be information there. Uh, I can, for example, say that our chat experience is world class. Uh, the team that manages those windows I, I can guarantee you they'll provide you with a good experience. If you navigate to almost any one of our pages, there's a chat window. The real person behind it, I'd encourage you to go talk to them. That's awesome. I appreciate your time, Nick. Um, I am looking forward to seeing what you guys are doing. You have a wealth of information you guys uh, publish. Uh, constantly, it's, it's, it's great. And the amount of free training that you also offer um, with the HubSpot Academy is additionally, it's, it's broad. It goes from sales training to CRM to, you know, even, you know, ad management. It's, it's a wealth of information that you guys produce that adds value. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I wish you the best. Thank you so much and um, have a great day. Thanks, Dan. You too.